4GateWorld.net. I'm David Reed and I'm here with Mr. Ben Browder. SG1's Cameron Mitchell and yes, yes, Farscape's John Crichton. <laughs> ben, thanks for coming to that. talk with us today. My pleasure, David. Thanks um, for having me. You've told me before that you're a fan of Stargate. Does that help you get out of bed in the morning knowing that you're going to go and make great television? My alarm clock helps me get out of bed in the morning. Uh, it, the, being a fan of the show gets you through the middle part of the day when things start to things start to get long when when you've been standing around and uh, you start to get tired it, it helps to enjoy what it is you're doing right. but uh, you know it's, it's it's good to it's good to like what you do you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of my job so that makes my life a lot easier do you ever get to a point where you're saying to yourself okay I'm ready to go home this uh, for today for yes today. I don't want to go on any further yes have you ever said that? Everyone gets to that point okay. where, where you start thinking, okay, that's enough. I've right. been standing in the rain for 10 hours. My body temperature has now dropped to the point where I'm shivering. Can we go home now? Right. Uh, and you certainly get that in Vancouver. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Can't you guys see that it's raining? No, it doesn't read. Keep going. Steam coming out of your mouth. Your body temperature, you're in, you're in the hypothermia. They've got, you know, they've got Chris Judge laid out under a blanket with three girls trying to keep him warm, and you're going, can we just go home? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully there haven't been too many of those this, this year. We, we had a couple of days, uh, particularly early, and then a couple of days as we got late where, uh, where it got cold. It does get cold. Not too bad, though. Um, one year Stargate is now behind you. Were you pleased with any particular part of your acting this year? Is there anything you're just kicking yourself over? Where do you get these questions? <laughs> Up your kidneys. Uh, I usually get to the end of the day and kick myself over three really? or four things that I've done during the day. Really? Yeah, you know, you, as you're uh, in the car on the way back to your, uh, your box that you sleep in at night, uh, <laughs> there's that moment where you recycle what you've done and you go, oh, should have done this, could have done this, maybe this would have been better. Um, yeah, you know, the, the, most of the stuff that I do, I have second thoughts about and doubts about. Do you ever have an urge to go into the edit bay and say, please don't use this? Sure. Do you um, have that kind of control? No. Oh. No. I, I, I have enough control that I could walk over and whisper in Rob Cooper's ear and say, hey, Rob, uh, do me a favor here. Uh, and sometimes you'll have those discussions with whoever's editing the piece. And first you talk with the director and then you talk with the producers and you talk with the editor. But uh, for the most part, uh, no, you don't have much opportunity to do it because you're back on the floor getting onto the next scene. You know, look, by the time you get up the next day, you have to pretty much put behind you how much you screwed up the day before. Trust the editors. Well, it, it, yeah, I mean, it, the thing about shooting a television show or film in general is it's collaborative art form. Um, I've said this before, if Cameron Mitchell as a character works, it's a credit to a large number of people. The writers, makeup, hair, lighting, your DOP, you, you know, the camera operators, your fellow actors, your editors, your directors, all of these people make Cameron Mitchell work. If Cameron Mitchell doesn't work, it's usually my fault. And I, I, you know, I believe that to be true. Uh, as an actor in front of a camera, you are dependent upon a large team of people to make you look good. 
Uh, and so when credit rolls around, if credit is due, it's usually due to a large number of people, not to the individual who played the role. Season 10 has just been confirmed. Yes, I'm still waiting to find out whether I'm alive or not. <laughs> but otherwise, are you game for it? <laughs> Am I game for it? Yeah, I'm, I'm game for season 10. Uh, I'm very happy that uh, there is a season 10. And obviously was a concern coming in on season 9, would this be the last year? Was this uh, going to work? You know, would this work? Uh, and to the degree that it, it has worked and people have tuned in, uh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to come back and do more. Have you been pleased with the feedback of the fans? in terms of your performance? Oh, look, you know, it, it, feedback to uh, an actor's performance is um, you hear the worst possible things and you hear the best possible things. Mm -hmm. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Hopefully the truth is somewhere in the middle and not at the lower end. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when I started on Farscape, I uh, ventured out into the Internet to mm -hmm. see, because we were shooting in Australia, yeah. I ventured in the Internet to see what was being said about the show and about John Crichton and, and about me. Uh, and I think the first article I clicked on basically said I was the worst actor in the history of the universe. Uh, I was the most wooden actor that anyone had ever seen. And <laughs> I don't know whether it's true or not. There may have been some truth to it, but you know, a couple months later you read how you're the best thing since sliced bread. And you, you know, you can't live and die by that. You do the job, you do the best you can, and you know, you, you hope that people like what you do. But at the end of the day, as an actor, I'm there to service the story and to do the best job that I can do. And you know, at the, what do you say to someone who thinks you're the worst thing that's ever hit the screen? You, you can't. You know, you, you, otherwise it becomes very, very difficult to even hear your alarm clock to get out of bed to make that midday point where you think, gosh, I'm tired. Yeah, so, you know. Does it ever hit you while you're filming that fans are going to be watching this and, boy, I better put on a good show? Uh, when I'm filming, no. I don't usually think about the end product when I'm filming. Uh, I'm involved in the scene and involved in the discussion of how we're doing it and where it fits in the story. On, on the better days, you're more engrossed in the story than anything else. On the bad days, you certainly go, wow, that was terrible, I sucked, uh, mm, please save me. But, um, no, nah, you know, generally speaking, it's, a, it, it's not something, thinking about, thinking about fan reaction is not necessarily something which occurs while shooting a scene. It may be something which occurs when you're reading the script or when you're thinking about it outside of work, but when you're actually working, you're pretty busy and you're concentrating on your job, and your job at that point is not thinking about Wow, Bob and I was going to hate me. Yeah. You know, I, Bob and I was, may hate me regardless of what I do. Yeah. And it's one of the facts of life that people will love you and people will hate you for all the right reasons and all the wrong reasons. And it's very difficult to sift through that. If you can't accept the fact that no matter what you do, someone's going to hate you. If you're standing in front of a camera and you're on a TV show where a lot of people have watched it for a very long time, somebody is going to hate you. You don't want them to hate you, but you have to accept the fact that that's going to happen. And it, no matter what I do, it won't have any bearing on 
whether that person hates me or not, and I can't address that issue anyway. And you could beat yourself upside down and backwards worrying about whether people hate you, or you could be worrying about whether people are going to love you or not, and at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. You just do the best you can and accept the fact that <laughs> people are going to believe what they are going to believe, and you can't change that. If you're trying to change it, I'm not sure that you're doing your job as an actor. Right. You can really get swept away in that current. Well, you know, the actors get swept away in, in either the attention or the reviews. Uh, and I never went into this particular kind of job for either, I don't think. I, I, I love the process of acting. I love what goes on on the floor. I love the interaction. I have a really great job. You know, I have a job where some days I get to get blown up, and some days I get to swing a sword, and some days I get to kiss the girl, and some days I'm standing around speaking techno babble. Right. But it's a great job, uh, and that's why I do it. Not, not because it affords me an opportunity to, to um, have someone clap me on the back. Right. It's nice when that happens, but you know, it's not the kind of it's not, it's not sufficient reason to be away from your family. It's not sufficient reason to spend your life looking for praise. I don't think. Wow, that was philosophical, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All of these lessons can be spread out to the broad strokes of life. <laughs> I want to be president because people will vote for me. <laughs> don't you realize they will hate you? Look at the opinion polls. Wow, you know? Mm-hmm. You can go from an 80% approval rating to 20% with a single stroke of your presidential pen. <laughs> In that similar vein of attention, um, last week I came across a keychain for sale on the internet. And it had a picture of you, and underneath was the caption, When God created Ben Browder, he was just showing off. <laughs> One. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a reasonable balance to the most wooden actor in the history of the universe. <laughs> um, first of all, have you seen this keychain? No, I haven't seen this keychain. <laughs> or others of its kind? And two, how does that make you feel? Uh, it's uh, baffling. It's, really? it's, a, it's a baffling question. I hope that my mom kind of feels that way. Uh, <laughs> maybe my mom made the keychain. I've got to give her a call. <laughs> mom, what are you doing with those keychains? How do you feel? God bless my family and the people I pay to do that stuff, you know. <laughs> I've got a little factory producing Ben Browder is God artifacts. <laughs> They'll be on sale immediately following this video. <laughs> yes, check, the, check out the Gateworld oh store. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? How long are you prepared to uh, work on SG-1? Five years? Seven? <laughs> Nine? Um, as long as... I'm enjoying doing it, and as long as they continue to be able to pay me to do it, uh, as long as Rob Cooper and Brad Wright want to do it and the stories are engaging. That's, a, that's an impossible question to answer in terms of number of years. You can't mm. sit down and say, yes, I'm going to play baseball until I'm 90. Yeah. You, you don't know. You, know it, it, you, you get to the end of a year and figure it out. Have you discussed exercising your writing talents on the show? No, I haven't discussed it. Haven't gotten to that point yet? 
No, I haven't uh, haven't engaged in that conversation. Would you like to eventually write for SG1? Uh, that is not a question that I'm entertaining at the moment. They okay. have a long-running writing staff. Okay. They have uh, the guys up there doing their job. And if uh, if I was to write for SG1, it would be because the writing staff wants to engage me in, in that fashion. Um, so. So if they're, but if they come to you and say, would you be interested in this? Then we would talk would about it at that point. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. you know. Is that, is that what happened with Farscape? Yes. Okay. With Farscape, David Kemper and Rock O'Bannon, Rodney O'Bannon, uh, asked me if I wanted to write a script. Uh, I did not approach to, to write a script. It's a hell of a lot of work writing a script. Yeah. And to see it through from beginning to end, I'm a, I'm a stickler for finishing what I start. So on Farscape, every word, Every word which appeared on a page was written by me. I was doing rewrites in the middle of the night. I was writing scripts while I was shooting. Uh, you know, shoot, I'm shooting during the day and writing at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And you do it because you love the show and because you want to be that far engaged in the show. But I don't know that I'm comfortable with you know, letting someone else finish what I start. So in order to do it, it'd have to be something I really want to do. And then, Quite frankly, the writing staff really wanted me to do, and I, I don't know whether that would happen or not. Right. Having done sci-fi previously, did you have any preconceived notions that were blown out of the water when you started filming? I mean, Farscape, like you said, is sci-fi crack, and then you get this. <laughs> I did call Farscape sci-fi crack, didn't I? Yep. It, it, well, it is. Uh, you mean preconceptions about what? About, S about going into production on SG-1 something that you were expecting and it was like oh well I guess we're not doing this this way okay no no I, I going into SG1 my job as I perceived it to be and as I still perceive it to be is to find a way to be part of the team that makes the show mm -hmm. so when I was coming in to do the show my first job is to learn how the folks at Bridge make the show. Mm. So I'm taking my cues from my fellow cast members, I'm taking them from the director, from the writing staff, from Jack the Caterer, and whoever else is there. Um, so I suppose my expectations of how the show was made were relatively low in regards to I didn't know what to expect and wanted to try not to anticipate what my influence in the show is going to be or well this is the way things should be done mm -hmm. you know there's a common language for making film no matter where you are in the world whether you're in Australia or Canada or the US or France or England film is made in a very similar fashion but every set has its own peculiarities and its own strengths and weaknesses and coming into a show which has been successful for eight years you don't want to come in and try and reinvent the wheel. Right. Or at least I don't. Maybe someone else would, but that's not what I perceive my job to be. You want to facilitate the storyline as best as possible. Well, that's a succinct way of saying it, yes. Uh, but it's, you know, it's not just the storyline. There's also a day-to-day -day process which goes on in, in making a television show. There's a community which is already making the show and has been for some time. So you're coming into a community of people who are doing this body of work and you're trying to find a way to fit in with these people 
and add your bit to the story where you can. Right. But you know, the, the story is created by the writers, by the producers, and by the people who were there before you. So, what should you expect when you enter a long-running show? I think one of the pitfalls is thinking that you have a better idea than everyone else around you. Um, so, you know, for me, it's just a great opportunity to come in and see what other people are doing and learn from it and pick up from it and carry it to the next show and wait for the opportunity to exercise it. There's things I learned on Farscape that I was able to use in Stargate, and there were other things that, quite frankly, I wouldn't begin to touch using really? because they're different shows and because the culture and the people who make them are different people. So, you know, you come in and you muddle through and do the best you can and hope you don't screw it up too bad. Right. What has been the hardest aspect of filming season nine? The hardest thing about filming season nine was being away from home, being away from my family. Now, did you do that? In the, were they with you when you were shooting Farscape? Yes. Ah, uh, so this was different. Yes. Okay. Um, like you said, I was talking to you earlier, you said you were trying to run home as often as you could. I was, yes, getting on a plane as often as I could. Is that something that you're not looking forward to in season 10? Well, that's something I wouldn't look forward to at any time. Um, you know, you want to be with your family, you want to be with your children yeah. in the best possible world. Sometimes jobs come up and they're in other places, and so you're accommodating the lives of accommodating the lives of your children to the best degree that you can and the, the life of your spouse and creating this family. So you, you know, you, you don't want to be away. It would be difficult no matter whether it was season 10 or season 20 or season 1 of a show. It's a difficult thing for me. Maybe other people are okay with it. I find it difficult. Well, there's always a degree of sacrifice, you know. I mean, you, you love your job, but at the same time, you do need to bring home the bacon. Well, at the end of the day, you, you have to provide for those that you've brought into the world, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Last time I checked, they're, they're still, you know, they still grow and they still need new clothes and they need feeding and, and you know, they, they need the odd word of wisdom. And they need, that, they need their <laughs> well, dad. Yeah. Well, you know, I was on the phone with my dad getting my words of wisdom while I was driving up to meet you. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully I'm not messing them up too bad. Is there any particular moment this year? that just sticks out in your mind as I ask this question. What's the first thing that comes to your mind from season nine? The first thing that comes to my mind from season nine? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> He's found something. <laughs> Eight inches of mud. Oh, uh, okay. Eight, Eight inches. inches of mud. <laughs> And we won't go there. <laughs> no, that's, that's what sticks out in my mind, eight inches of mud. <laughs> Your family is very important to you. How accommodating has the show been this year, besides being able to go home and, um, and then come back? Have you been able to request certain things, like, okay, my son's birthday is coming up, what can we do here? How accommodating has the show been? Production is as accommodating as they can be, but in order to make the show... Uh, my first responsibility when I'm working is to be at work. So uh, there are times where I've made certain trips that I needed to make and times where I've missed certain trips that I needed to make. Uh, it's a reality of 
shooting a television show. Have they been able to visit the set? Yes. Good. What did they think? Were they impressed? <laughs> After but, Farscape, well, well... You know, that's sort of the thing, is that my family has seen sets, and but they they loved coming and visiting the SG-1 set. Is there anything about your experience with Stargate that you want to ask to be changed if there is another season? Like little things, you know? I'd like the caterer to be... Further this. away from the soundstage? Yeah. <laughs> He's too loud. Dang I think it. there should be no catering because Michael, Chris, and I are not able to avail ourselves of it. <laughs> well, I've, I've had it. It's very good. The catering is very good. Actually, we did have a day, um, a final day of shooting. That's the other thing. Donuts. Mm. <laughs> Donuts? <laughs> yes, because... Yes, Michael, Chris, and I asked for donuts, and we sat down with, oh, probably 20 boxes of donuts <laughs> and milk and uh, shared, oh. shared them all with the crew, but we sat down and had a donut feast on our final day of shooting. <laughs> it was good. So I guess I request another donut day, yeah. One donut day a year. Was that your comp? Like, okay, we're done. That, this is... that was actually my whole contribution to Stargate SG-1 for the whole year. Donuts. Donut day. <laughs> what did Ben Browder add to the show? Donuts. donuts. Donut day. <laughs> Well, they had donuts before, but they'd never had donut day. Did you have donut day on Farscape? No. Okay. No, so no, no. Every every show gets a new thing. <laughs> Next year's gonna be ice cream. <laughs> it's beer day on Stargate. <laughs> you can always tell when they're shooting beer day. <laughs> Is there any aspect of Cam? You are the writers. Cameron Mitchell. Cameron Mitchell. Turn, Cam Colonel Shaft. Cameron Shaft Mitchell. Shaft Mitchell that you and the writers have deliberately held back from portraying so that it could be saved for the next season? <laughs> I don't know what, what Rob and company have deliberately held back. Uh, there are things as an actor that I always deliberately hold back. I, but then, doesn't that happen in life? Yeah. yeah. Right. If you were contributing, <laughs> I want to know about the experience that you had when you were 13 years old and you first saw a Farrah Fawcett poster. <laughs> we, we don't need to know that information about Cameron Mitchell. <laughs> Farrah Fawcett, hmm, that rings a bell. He was really into Lee Majors, you know, and then he saw Farrah Fawcett. It was a seminal experience. I think we should give this to the audience. Oh, you know, not necessary. If you were contributing to a time capsule for your distant descendants to find, and you were allowed to put one of your TV episodes in this, which one would it be? For either Farscape or Esther? Woo! I don't know that I'd put any in there. <laughs> whenever, whenever there's an episode of something that I have been involved in, or a movie or whatever that I've done, is playing. If I walk into the room and someone is watching it, I leave the room. Really? Mm-hmm. You don't want to interfere with that process? No, I just get all weirded out about it. Really? Yeah. I just find it odd. There's nothing I can do. It's, I have to live with my mistakes at that point, and, and I, you know what, I'll just go do something else. I can watch uh, my work in a professional environment. I can watch, I watch all the cuts. I watch the final edits. But I, if someone's watching it, and if it's someone I know watching it, it's even worse. I, right. I just, I, I have to uh, disappear. Amanda, she's always been very critical of her work. And 
it, I have to, you have to wonder if it, it affects how she's going to deliver the next scene. Did you ever watch something when it's done and go, oh my god. Yeah, no, I, look, I'll watch something and go, ooh, that was, that was okay. Or I'll watch it and go, ooh, yeah, someone better hire a better actor. Yeah. Uh, some people don't watch their work at all. Yeah. Some people are not comfortable watching themselves at all, and some people can can watch everything they do, and they don't care. And some people seem to love watching themselves. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I watch it technically. I watch it to think whether, yeah, that works, that doesn't work. I'll watch an edit to see whether they saved me or not in the edit. But the, the, the reactions vary, and they, they change with time as well. Some things I can watch that happened a long time ago that I can go, yeah, that was all right. You think you'll look on SG-1 in 10 or 15 years and say, I'm glad I was a part of that. That was a good show. I don't know. I don't know. I would hope so. If I didn't hope so, I wouldn't be thinking about season 10, 11, 12, and 17, would I? <laughs> Not that I'm thinking about those seasons, but, you know. One season at a time. It's always one season at a time. Yeah. You know, it's... You can only do what's immediately in front of you. Some fans have observed that, as a leading man, we haven't seen many episodes in the first of the season that are especially Mitchell-heavy. What are your thoughts on this? Was it just something that... It was just a matter of the storylines and you didn't necessarily get the chance to be in the foreground the entire time? I think that uh, Rob Cooper, Brad Wright, writer question. You know, I, I, don't, I don't frame the stories. I believe that they did certain things with a purpose, but I can't speak for them as, as to what their purposes are. Mm. Even if I knew what their purpose was, I wouldn't want to speak for them in, in that regard. Um, I have more to do as an actor, and uh, Cameron Mitchell has more to do as a character later in the season. And you know, at the end of the day, which is the better road will be determined by will be determined by someone else, not me. I don't, you know, it's you know it's an interesting question. In but specifically an interesting question in regards to the fandom that exists around the show because you have a show which has been going for eight years. Now you're introducing a new character into this mix of four people. It's a four-person team. And the writers want a four-person team because it, it helps them with their stories and, you know, it, it, it's a good number. It's a good number for an SG-1 team. But when you introduce a character, how you introduce a character is a very tricky balance. And I think they did a good job introducing Cameron Mitchell. Now whether more would be better or less would be better is a taste issue mm. that has to do often with how people who have been watching the show for a long time feel about the show or feel about the characters. Um, I think that it was a successful introduction to the character from, you know, uh, from a lot of standpoints. But the truth is, much like there will be people who won't like you, David, because of who you are or because of your haircut or the color of your skin or the sound of your accent or the way you... Uh, pick up the paper in the morning. Actually, people don't like the shirts that I choose. Yes, well, it's the Southern, the Southern Illinois University thing, you know, one AA powerhouse. 
<laughs> but, you know, but the, the people are going to have strong opinions because they've been watching the show for so long. And I think that it was inter that it's that it's interesting an interesting dilemma of how to introduce characters in long-running shows. Most shows don't do it very successfully. Right. Um, some shows have done it very well. Mm -hmm. MASH did it exceptionally well. Mm -hmm. ER has done it well. But most shows live and die by the introduction of new characters. Uh, and for Stargate, who's never... Well, for Stargate, who's... Not had a new lead. Not had a new lead for a long time. Yeah. You know, they had Jonas come in in season mm -hmm. six. Which you liked. Yeah, I thought he did. You know, I, th I thought that they, I thought they handled it well. I thought they handled the absence of Daniel Jackson well. And that's a, Daniel Jackson is a critical character to the story. Critical. And his absence and how you handle it is, uh, is, is a tricky balance. I thought they handled it well. Do I think it was good that he came back? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but now, you know, introducing someone else to the story it's a it's a tricky one i thought they did i thought they did an okay job a lot of people are upset that sam isn't commanding the team we have this new guy coming in i mean yeah he was he was in lost city but we never really saw him and now here he is commanding the team well you know there's two things about that one is we're back to the question of of fandom and yeah being sensitive to to the desires and needs of your fan base. Um, there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. But there's another thing which actually has to do with a certain sense of reality is that the military doesn't necessarily operate that way. New leaders are brought in routinely into units from one place to the next. Uh, the guy who was commanding the Thunderbirds when I arrived there had not been commanding the Thunderbirds before. He was brought in to command the Thunderbirds. And this is what the military does. They bring people in to these positions. And so, you know, you just, you know, the, this is the way things lay out. And there's also a, a practical element to shooting in that Amanda, Amanda just had a baby. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't available for the first six episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, so creatively, as you're juggling these questions you're not going to be able to make a decision which is going to make everybody happy yeah so you make the decision that makes the most sense for the storyline that you're telling uh, and you know you can't you can never make everybody happy all the time okay. but will we be able to will you think we'll be seeing you at more Stargate conventions down the road and uh, not just comic-con yes well I don't, I don't have show. anything currently planned at the moment okay I do have a Farscape convention that I'm going to go to, my, my annual pilgrimage to thank these people for, for, for employment. Uh, they're, they're lovely people. They really are. What would you like to say to the hundreds of thousands of fans <laughs> who are going to be watching you, hopefully for the next several years on Stargate, who be love kind, your work? Be kind, be gentle, be understanding. Don't hurt me. No, I, uh, look. As an actor, I hope that that uh, the work which is done on Stargate, which is the voice of the writers and the directors, and the crew and the cast, does does the speaking for me. I'm, I'm not a spokesman for Stargate, and as a spokesman for Ben Browder, I prefer a, a more private tact. Um, 
I, I hope that people enjoy the show. I hope that people continue to watch the show. You know, but thanks for watching. But, you know, the fact that people watch the show means I have a job. And that's a, that's a rare privilege. I understand I'm in a very privileged situation. But not, not just that you're able to do it, but that your work is worth watching. Well, you hope so, but it's not all my work. If it is worth right. watching, it's not my work. If it's bad, it's my work. <laughs> That's not true. That's not it true. Is. Um, yeah, it is. But, well, we enjoy your work. And <laughs> the writers that, that do drive the show, the words behind it, they may not be your own, but it takes an artist to be able to pull that off. I, you know what? I, I, I'm just a guy that does my job, you know, and, 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 and when it works, it's great. And when someone's entertained by it and it touches someone, that's great. It's great to be a part of it. Ben Browder, thank you very much. David, thank you very much.